There was something that Alfred Hitchcock used to say a lot to people, and he always reminded them that it's only a movie, that when they're watching a movie like Psycho and there's the big murder scene and people were terrified to take showers, he reminded them, it's just a movie. It's This is not real. Just have fun. Give in to the fiction and realize that it's not real. It's all made up. It's only a movie. I want to believe that about Today's movie, which is Just Friends, starring Ryan Reynolds, who is charming. Yes, he's very charming. But there's something about this movie that speaks to the inner loner, the inner, I don't know, the difficulties we all had in our high school years of trying to reconcile love with our friendships. And this movie does it in a way that mm, maybe doesn't quite work for us. Maybe maybe there is something to enjoy about this movie, and it's certainly not a trash fire. Um, we did like certain elements, but this movie, this movie hit close to home for us for some reason, and that's really surprising when it's just really a mediocre film from the aughts. And while there are a lot of those, there is, there is something to this movie that can't be denied, and it's the nerve that it strikes <laughs> for me and Kelly. So... Take that for what you will. We had quite an experience. It's quite a movie for being a mediocre aughts rom-com. It's Just Friends. Good evening and welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I'm your sexy host, Ryan Graves, and joined with me is an even sexier host. Mahalo, my name's Kelly McCurlis, and thank you so much to my friend Ryan Graves for, for giving me such a good compliment. Oh, wait, I said it wrong. It's Kelly's song. Someday we'll get it right. <laughs> Did you call me Kelly Graves? No, Are I we called you Kelly now? McCrillis, okay. but maybe if I just called you Kelly Graves, I'll never forget. Uh, an elephant never forgets. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, maybe Robin would be like, hey, I want in on this family and be like, no, no, we're the Graves now. <laughs> and then Sarah and Robin can get married too, and then it'll, <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> this is... Uh, I wish we were popular enough for somebody to have written this fanfic of our lives, but... Um, mm. Well, what's funny is that there's always... We label things, certain things that are going to you, like to you and Robin as K&R, and I'm like, Kelly and Ryan or Kelly and Robin? I mean, like, that's fair. Who is this gift for? I think that means you need to rename yourself. Um, fine. You can call me Telemachus. Well, you can call me Al. Um, actually, what? It, let's. if you had a new... If you, Ryan, I'm giving you a uh, brand new opportunity here for mm-hmm. um, a brand new name. <sighs> if you could, if you could have a different first name than you have now, what would it be? Probably. Um, does Del- it have to be a new name, or can I just spell it differently? <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be like a name nobody's ever had before. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I what what name like, would I always Ryan with an E? <laughs> um, let's see. What names have I always liked? Um, you know, there's the classic John, Jonathan, Johnny, um, Johns, which is European. You could be called Johns. I think that's Jan. Um, Jan. Um, there's the. I kind of want something like 
Icelandic, like Jules, like J O O L S, like you know, like a cigarros kind of name. It sounds like a like e cigarette kind of name. Yeah, um, but no, uh, Jules is good. Why don't you go with Jules? Jules, uh, but not Jules, like a shortened version of Julia. Like I'm not Jules, the the girlfriend in Wedding Singer. I'm Jules J O O L S. Okay, that's um, what you can call me. Hi, hey. Um, this is uh hi hi uh Steven Spielberg hi hey yeah come over here I I need to introduce you to my friend uh what what was your name again Hi I'm Jewel no this is never gonna work I can't do this I'm not gonna introduce myself to Steven Spielberg it's Jules he'll just make fun of me No why would he make fun of he's supposed to be a nice guy uh, but, but it, he's gonna be like well, I no, can't you, hire you just a guy have to Jules. say you just have to say it right Um you have to say Jules some, I think say it more more Icelandic Hello I'm Jules <laughs> That's how the the guy. If you listen like to Bjork Sig- with a head cough. If you listen to Sigurosa's lead singer, he's like, "Hello, we like to play esoteric music." Uh, Anyways, what are we talking about today? We're talking about snow. Um, <laughs> is it snowy over at your place? The reason why Ryan and I aren't recording together yet again, even though we're apparently married now, is because there's snow on the ground in Portland. I can't and go anywhere. Ice. I can't drive anywhere in my Prius, Ryan. I should have gotten that Hummer that that. Man tried to sell me that one time. Uh, that Land Rover that Ryan Reynolds apparently owns. Yeah, and um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. We're gonna get in. We're gonna. We're gonna get in. Do you want to just get into it? But is it yeah. snowy? You gotta answer me. Is it snowy over there? It's snowy and icy, and I hate it. Uh, have you had to leave your house? No, what's great is I've always lived in walking distance to grocery stores. So every time they're like, be prepared, I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> um, you didn't have to go into work today? Uh, worked remotely today, bitch. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, Jules, settle down. I don't like this <laughs> well, new you. You know, that's the great thing about this COVID era where it's just like, hey, need to work from home? No problem. We've been doing this for years now. We're very good at adapting. Uh, and not only that, but I think Portlanders have freaked out enough times that we at least know, we at least know, hey, everybody just don't go anywhere if it snows more than X amount, because otherwise we're all going to shut down each other's shit. We're total wimps. And let me explain why everyone thinks we're, we're both Washington and Oregon are snow wimps. This is what West, happens. Western. Western. Yeah. yeah. It It snows. But because of the temperatures here, because it's so mild, it'll snow and then it'll melt and then it'll freeze again. So we always have ice and we don't have enough infrastructure to salt the roads or gravel it or sand it. We don't we don't have enough people to do it. And so it's always it's we're wimps. I think we have I think we have the people. I think the people that (laughs) I think those people don't have the expertise Right. Or 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 the machinery because we definitely don't have um, enough snow plows for when it does snow big. Yeah, because if it's Eastern Washington, if it's Spokane, they just take a a cannon and they just shoot salts all over the entire the whole city. city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just> it's <laughs> basically there's this big um, there's this big like uh, bomb siren that goes up. It's like and then you know to get inside for like the next twenty minutes or so because that's yeah, rock it's salt gonna, time, Daddy. It's gonna salt, and you know it's like that Home Alone scene where the old creepy guy just kind of shovels salt all across the sidewalk. Okay, what you said were two wildly different things, and I need you to justify this. In Home Alone, 
Well, the, you, you that said, guy was you said terrifying. A, you the said cannon was... is just as terrifying as the old man shoveling salt across Wait, the road. Is he the one shooting the cannon? Is that what's going he's on? He's also the can. Like he'll do it on a like global scale where he'll pull the cannon, but salt then he'll the just earth, kind of. He, he says, "Salt the <laughs> earth." <laughs> We're the salt of the earth, and then he'll go and do his little like spot checks with his shovel. That's oh, who's doing I it. I see. He's like Santa that's, Claus. He does it all in one night. That's my head cannon. It's like, it, what's going on in Spokane these days? Well, that old man, he's just walking around. Why does he live in? Salted. Why does he live in Spokane all of a sudden? I thought he was from Chicago. Illinois. Yeah. yeah, Shermer, Illinois. That's how it goes. And uh, all those, uh, you know, that Home Alone is part of the Ferris Bueller universe, right? Because uh, it's written by John Hughes. Uh, I mean, I know that it's set in like kind of the same general spot. It's Chicagoy, but it's the same. It's this. I think you're, it's the same. You're city. talking so far out of school right now. You're like in my head canon when I wrote on on slash the other day. <laughs> I, I, everyone's going to agree with me. It's in the same universe. Like John Bender lives in the same town as Macaulay Culkin. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't, but there's nothing in the movies that ever tells us that this is true. Um, it's, it's true. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, should I trust you to tell me a story about the movie that we're watching this week? 2005's Just Friends? Yes. <laughs> like uh, how I turned that into a question there at the yeah. end? Yeah. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not, it's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Um, I'm gonna lead, I'm, I'm gonna lead with an apology, and I'm gonna just kinda say... And Sarah, Sarah, Sarah knew this when I explained the concept of the movie to her. She's like, "Oh, this is going to be a Ryan episode." I'm like, "Yep, uh, this movie." Wait, why is it a Ryan episode? Because what makes, some, what makes one a Ryan episode? Because this thing, this this inciting incident, basically happened hold on, to hold me. On. A bum bum. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, this this inciting incident. Yeah, it, it basically is my story, and I want to say I took this movie very personally. I usually am always one telling the other to not take films or filmmakers personally, and they didn't mean anything against you when they're doing something offensive or you know like you know Kevin Smith making Dogma and all these you know the Catholic sure. League got very upset. It's like. It's a movie, guys. Who cares? Just get over it. But I took this movie personally. I do not blame you. <laughs> um, the concept. The concept of the movie starts off. We meet Ryan Reynolds. He's <laughs> wait. Hold on. I know the genre of this movie. <laughs> it's films it's, that piss Ryan off. It's it's fat too fabulous. God. <laughs> Uh, okay, so it starts off Ryan Reynolds, fat suit, you know, the prosthetics, the whole the whole deal. And, and he he's a pathetic senior in high school. He has a friend, his best friend is this girl, Amy Smart. She's gorgeous. He's absolutely in love with her. And, she doesn't know it. And can we say that he he himself, his character is not pathetic, but he's written to be seen as pathetic from all the other characters. Yeah. Cause I, I would hang out with this guy so fast in high school. Yeah. But he, but Ryan Reynolds plays it up so hard where he has a really modulated voice to make him sound, 
I don't mean this as a slur, but kind of a sissy. He sounds kind of lame. Like not, it's not Ryan Reynolds' normal timber. No, normal, it, it like, isn't. Pattern. No, no. Yeah. And it's part of it is he's throwing in this lisp because of this retainer that the he's retainer. got. Yeah. So, okay. But he's, he's and, playing it up. Yeah. And I, I do want to say that this, this movie has like, which you're about to get into some shamey elements in it for sure. Yeah. But I, I also, I see what they were trying to do by having a character that is wildly different from where they started out at. Uh, I'm not saying they succeeded. I'm just saying. Go on. Keep saying things. Well, so we have, we have Ryan Reynolds at the beginning of this movie. He's singing, I swear. It's a lovely song. And I, I totally relate to that. Like loving cheesy music. So he is, he is like, um, a, a cheerleader. He's, um, kind of a, a nerd, probably a self professed nerd. And he's, you know, best friends with basically the coolest slash hottest girl in school, right? Right. He is... Um, and they're very close. They're, they yeah. are best friends. They're best friends. BFFs, as he said. Yeah. Um, and the, the movie starts off with him, like, this is, this is his time to shine. They've just graduated, and he is going to basically confess his love to her. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to linger on this story too much because it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> but this, the setup is he writes his love confession in the yearbook. Um, he goes to the party. Everyone's at this party. He finally gets alone with Amy Smart. He tries to hand off the yearbook, but he gets interrupted by several people. One, the jock who's also in love with her. Tim? I want to say Tim. There are some who call me... Tim? And he's played by some forty-year-old. <laughs> like he yeah. looks nothing like a teenager. Um, but that that same like I mean, he plays himself older, which is yeah. kind of it's this movie's style. We kind of get it's almost a Fairly Brother thing where it's like no matter how old you are, you can play any age. Totally. In the movie. This movie felt very much like a ripoff of There's Something About Mary. <laughs> yes, Robin and I talked about that too. It's very much the same concept where all these men are in love with her and are just vying for her love. <laughs> and nobody's a really good dude. <laughs> yeah, they all suck. Um, then we meet Chris Klein, who is, they just go over the top on his prosthetics too. He's got just not, I don't mean he's ugly, but he has the worst acne. He just has really bad He has, really he has bad, bad acne, case acne and bad hair. I mean, he has like what some of us look like in high school. Yeah, face. he too has this like nerd lisp where he just sounds like something's wrong with his palate. Sure. <laughs> um, and he's trying to play this song for her and he's doing a really bad job. And the acting style, like this is when you notice the acting style is like cranked to 11. You're like, oh, God, you guys like I think they're really going for the like wild emotiveness of mm-hmm. a Fairly Brothers. But no one here has the talent of Ben Stiller, Jim Carrey. Um, those guys. I, I, I tend to disagree with you when it comes to Ryan Reynolds. I think he is, he can do it, but not all the other guys just felt pitched too much. Yes. I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, every single one of them, except for Amy smart. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, she plays it. She plays it right. She plays it like Cameron Diaz does. And there's something about Mary where it's, she's not ridiculous. She's kind of the straight character to everybody else's asshole. Yeah. (laughs) <clears throat> <Huh. laughs> 
So <laughs> finally, he hands off the yearbook and he's waiting for Amy Smart to read his love confession. But then he realized there was a yearbook switcheroo and the jock got a hold of it and the jock is reading it to everyone at the party. Ryan Reynolds is mortified and these people are so ridiculous, bullying, mean, where it's like, no, <laughs> no one yeah. would do this. No. They're like, you're fat, fatty, eat a salad. So there is a um, there is a cross section between like early Adam McKay, um, National Lampoons, and the Fairley Brothers, where the world in which they exist is like upper middle class butthead, right? And that's that's what that's kind of like the the high school that exists. It's not a real place that I've ever seen. It's like if you took the most elite bad people from New Jersey, Los Angeles took away some of their millions and put them all in the same high school. I don't, I don't understand why one would create a world like this. (laughs) I, they didn't, because they didn't think it through. That's why. (laughs) Um, well also the director from this movie also directed cruel intentions and and one of our other favorite movies, falling in love, (laughs) falling in love. God, I, I was like, I was watching the acting. I'm like, God, this acting's really bad. Who directed this? And I looked it up. I was like, Oh no! Like <laughs> that, like informed me of where we were going. I was like, Okay. Um. So yeah, he's mortified, and he leaves the party screaming, like, "I'll show you! I'll show all of you!" <laughs> and then he does. Kind yeah. Of. And so, I think at at this point in time in the movie, this film still has potential. Yeah. Because it's a flashback. They can be outlandish in the flashback. Right. And basically, like, where we catch up to Ryan Reynolds is he's Ryan Reynolds now. He's super hot. He's funny. He's a little bit of an asshole. But, like, you know, there's probably a heart under there somewhere. It was just damaged by being mean, like, a bunch of people being mean to him when he was younger. And you're like, okay. So where you could go movie is that he has to learn that actually to not be a dick to not be a dick and that he is he has become that which he hates just and like like all of his motivations for it were wrong and like you could have done that I think with this film where him as a character was like okay what sucked was being nerdy and fat and thus I'm going to become and nice. And thus I'm going to become the opposite of that. And he needed to realize that none of that stuff was wrong. Yeah. So the people the pers- around him were wrong. The person he had turned into when he moved to Los Angeles is kind of bit of a womanizer. Doesn't really care about relationships. IMDB says a ferocious womanizer. Okay. He's a ferocious womanizer. Uh, I'm fine with that. Um, and he has all these rules about not getting friend zoned. And that makes sense because he's trying to protect himself and he doesn't want to get hurt like that again. And I think um, in trope talk today, we're going to talk about the quote unquote friend zone because this movie really popularized that term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't I know it? <laughs> and uh, so he has all these rules like don't do day dates, don't do lunch with girls, stuff like that. And, He's like a really dick version of Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love. Yes. Yes. Robin couldn't tell them apart. <laughs> Robin's just like, ah! I thought he was a nice guy in the other movie. 
Um, no, at one point in time, though, she was she thought it was funny that they were watching the notebook because she's like, oh, because he's in the notebook. <laughs> I was like, no, Robin, that's Ryan Gosling. Anyway, she um, should just have a chart. Anytime it comes up, she just like looks at the chart. It's like notebook, crazy, stupid love, blah, 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 just friends. Okay, that's that one. It's it's Ryan it's Reynolds. Deadpool. It's Deadpool. We got Deadpool here. <laughs> See, nobody cares. So his so the the plot of the movie is that there's this singer Anna Ferris who's kind of this version of Aldous Snow, and I'm not going to say it ripped off Forgetting Sarah Marshall uh, because Forgetting Sarah Marshall came later. Uh, yeah, but like. Aldous Snow is the opposite of Anna Faris. <laughs> but a ridiculous musician where it's trying to lampoon the music industry. Sure, sure. And and she plays, what is her character's name? Uh, Samantha James. Yeah, and she's got, she's kind of a, you know, the way they position her is she's kind of like pink, kind of like Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson, more rock star version uh, she's of it. Far, she's more, far more pop star than pink. Like, I'm sorry, Pink could blow her out of the water. She's far more like Jessica Simpson in this. Right, except- but her 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 thing as a character is like she doesn't want to be considered a pop star. She wants to right. be considered a musician. So she's fancying I- herself a Pink, but she's really a Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson. Re- remind me to rewrite the movie later with her character. <laughs> um, yeah. But like he gets a directive from his boss, who is played by that staple guy um, uh, from Office Space. Or name? that dude from uh, Dodgeball. You'll know him. You recognize him. His no, he's a. He, we, we, there's no way he's a very famous that guy. Why can't we think of his name? I can call you Betty. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. Stephen Root. Stephen Root is his Stephen name. Stephen Root. Yeah. Thank you. He's in a bunch of stuff. You would recognize him. Yeah. Anyway, so he's like Ryan Reynolds. You go get me this pop star because she's super famous and like all sexed out and stuff. So go get her. And Ryan Reynolds is like, I went on a date with her once, but I guess I'll do this. Then he shows up. She's crazy at him. And then he, she does this thing where she's like, and we're also going to boink. And Ryan Reynolds is like, uh, I guess you can think that. Right. There, there's this, there's this thing that happens in comedies where a character just doesn't say what they like doesn't stand up for themselves or doesn't say what they mean. And it's, this one is such a flimsy premise where it's like his boss is going to fire him if he doesn't get her to work for them. Thus, since she thinks that she, he's going to sleep with her, he needs to keep pretending that. Yeah. And he doesn't really care about her or any of this. So he's like, whatever. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I mean, but like had, imagine if a male pop star did this to a female pop star, because it already feels bad, but it would feel real yeah or a female agent yeah <laughs> feels so bad so they need to go somewhere they're in los angeles they're going to new york they're going to paris paris they're going to paris okay maybe so they're going, they're going, to going paris, somewhere but there's uh mechanical operations because she lights a fire in the microwave because she's you know a dumb pop star that's the joke uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, oh, no, we're stuck in Trenton, New Jersey. So first off, what up, New Jersey? What Hope up, you like. New Jersey? We know that our last guest, Carrie Francis, loves you. So <laughs> we got no problem with you, Jersey. We got a problem when a movie's using you like this. I guess that doesn't really make any f- any fun of New Jersey, but he's like, no, oh, really my God, doesn't. I'm in New Jersey. It's like, it's fine. It's just New Jersey. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's a neutral state. 
but he's in his hometown. So then he's like, okay, we'll go crash at my, my house, my parents' house, my mom's house. I don't know where his dad is in this whole story. Um, we just have to assume that he was murdered when, yeah. when, when he was younger. So mom's played by Julia Haggerty, who is uh, from Airplane, if you remember her. She's hilarious. And she's she's slowly become a that mom yeah, in, in rom-coms. I mean, you, you know her. You oh, know yeah. her when you see her. Yeah. Um, and we meet his little brother. And I hate to admit this, but the one thing I actually really like about this movie is the dynamic between him and his brother. Me too! <laughs> It, like, it somehow gets that just right. Like there's, there's a like this. Their relationship's a, a smidge more violent than mine and Cody's, but not too far off. Yeah, I never fought back against my brother, even though I could have, and I was bigger than him, and he was older than me. But I could have always won the fight. But he, he was always the one starting shit with me, and I, we had that, we had that relationship. And there's like, there's like a part where they're like fighting, and then they like stop for a second. And they're like, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, that's just how it goes. That's the one good thing this movie has. Uh, I the uh, the brother played by Chris Marquette. There's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of homophobic like language that really, really dated this in the year 2005. Oh my gosh! Like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. Um, but like that's that's basically the character. His brother is there to talk about wanking it to Anna Ferris in front of Anna Ferris. Yeah, who's apparently <laughs> and, into it. So, okay. Yeah. And I have to say, Anna Ferris uh, at the beginning of this movie I hated, at the end of this movie I hated, but in the middle when she was just playing crazy in this small town, I'm like, this is the kind of the salt that I like in this small town environment. She is a very unpleasant character, but there's so many lines she has of her just being crazy, like when she first meets um Amy smart at the bar and she just meows at her. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Which is like a, she meows like a hundred times this movie. So it's very consistent. Now I think, I think it's not, she, her character is whatever, but she's a great performer and Ferris is a good yeah. performer. So at least we have that. And yeah. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is a good performer too. It's just his character is detestable. So it's not very enjoyable. Yes. I think, I think Ryan Reynolds, Ryan, Robin and I were talking about it after we watched the movie. Um, he can, he's probably the best actor who can deliver lines in comedy today. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if anybody can deliver a line quite so good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Gosling's good too. I mean, but Ryan Reynolds <laughs> is funnier. <laughs> Robin's like, don't confuse me. I just had them lined up correctly. <laughs> So basically they show up at the small town, they go to the bar, they meet Amy Smart, who's working there while she's, you know, getting her teaching degree. And he and meets his old friends too. Yeah. And they're sweet people. Um, and and then, here's, here's where the movie falls down. Yeah. <laughs> he meets the old jock dude and he's like, oh man, the girl you're in love with, she's here. You could totally bang her now. And Ryan Reynolds looks over at Amy Smart and basically, like, yes, I can. Like the the film language is basically like, that's a great idea. I should bang her. Like, <laughs> and that's what his goal is in this movie. I mean, there is no, there's just no, there's no. If if this happened to me, like there are there are women that I really really liked in high school that were my best friend as well in a very similar way to this and. If I had in my 20s gotten the chance to go back, was single, and then, like, had that opportunity to, like, 
reconnect with them, it would be so emotional for me. Right. There's, there's like, and they, they try to do that in this movie, but they fail so badly at it. Cause he's just like, yeah, I'm going to be suave and I'm going to sweep her off her feet. And it doesn't work for him. And he yeah. recognizes that, but, but he, he doesn't become a, a, I don't, I don't know. Let's keep talking about the movie and we'll, we'll, we'll so keep going. So the second act of the movie kind of revolves around Ryan Reynolds is getting his brother to basically distract Anna Ferris this whole time. And, you know, hijinks ensue. She like falls off and, uh, and <laughs> that's the, pretty funny. She falls in the mall and then she goes to this rock club and she gets like mauled by these metal fans. And, but then she mauls the metal fans. Yeah. She, she's just a little bit more crazy. She's crazy. Um, and then he's pursuing Amy smart and trying to rekindle a romance, but he has that Alex Hitchens, thing in Hitch when Will Smith usually is super smooth but for whatever reason when he's trying to go after Eva Mendes someone he actually wants to have a relationship with he's you know his game is totally off and it's the same concept here where it's like he could get all these women but the one girl that he really wants but apparently is just to sleep with he can't do it so the the thing that's weird about so I love that you brought up Hitch because what happens to Hitch is he becomes unsmooth, right? Yeah. He becomes coarse and grainy and rocky. Like and his, it's something relatable to us. When he has shellfish. Yeah. yeah. We, re- we so relate to him floundering. And then what Ryan Reynolds becomes is a liar. An a, asshole. An asshole. A manipulator. Self-important and just like anything but himself, right? Yeah. Which... At this time in the movie, movie, you you still had the opportunity to save yourself because Ryan Reynolds needs to learn the lesson yeah. that he just needs to be himself with this person like he used to be. Uh, but apparently himself is just a sucky person. One example is they he realizes, oh, what she really liked was when I was really like really pathetic. So I got to get into my pathetic mode. And he's like, do you want to go see the notebook? And it's just like, I, I, we still haven't watched The Notebook. We need to go see it. But just kind of like, you're just being completely 100% false with her. 100% yeah. false with her. How are we no, supposed to get behind you? Not only false, but like, like I don't know. He, he like calls himself, uh, um, he calls himself a pussy, like for like liking this movie. And like, he's like, this movie's gay. And it's like, you couldn't just... Like, I don't, I don't like you as a person <laughs> right now. Um, and part of the reason he has to do this is because as he, he goes out to, and I think this movie actually starts falling apart a lot during the hockey scene. Yeah. He like where, beats up a bunch of kids and like, this is funny. This is humor. Well, I mean, I, you could, you, I think that the premise is not completely a hundred percent flawed. It's, but it, you'd have to do it pitch perfectly. But Ryan Reynolds is supposedly this really, we see him early in the movie. He's a great skater, but since he has to wear rental skates, he can't skate anymore. And let me tell you folks, as somebody who is not a great skater and has only ever worn rental skates, I skate five times better than Ryan Reynolds did in this movie. That scene doesn't make sense. Okay. This is a weird defense and justification for this scene. I only bring it up because of the weird synchronicity that happened that I was talking to my boss who works out a ton and he's like, ah, I gotta go. I gotta go ice skating. I'm like, Oh, like you're going to go 
you know, do some recreational ice skating. He's like, no, it's, you know, it's like for my exercise. I'm like, oh, I, I never could go ice skating. The, the skate shop never had skates for me. He's like, oh, you have to buy your own skates. You got to break them in. And he like went on a tirade of like how you break in ice skates and like you have to like put them in the oven and like do all these special things. It's like, there's no way you could skate well on, on someone else's skates. No, no, no that, that is a hundred percent true. However, if you are a professional, <laughs> like n- near, not, professional but near a professional skater you should be able to skate better than me sure (laughs) it's a weird thing i shouldn't defend it but i'm just kind of like for some reason i didn't think twice about it because of all that context but i i I get you (laughs) okay so basically he gets hurt because he knocks over a bunch of kids and does a slap shot and he gets hit in the face with his own puck huck yuck 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 yuck. and then chris klein shows up who used to be dusty dinkelman but now is dusty lee and chris klein is great i think he's He's perfectly cast in these kind of roles. Yeah. And again, a great performance in a bad movie. Yes. Um, where he plays like this really nice, kind, guitar-wielding um, EMT-type dude. Yeah. And he's uh, been he becomes rival to Ryan Reynolds. Right. And throughout, we, we kind of think that he's just really a good dude that eventually, like... You know, just doesn't have if if this was a traditional rom-com, he just wouldn't have that thing that Amy Smart could fall in love with that Ryan Reynolds does. Right. But later on in the movie, we learn, no, he is actually an asshole and is just playing the role of Dusty Lee to get Amy Smart to like him. So he could have revenge sex with her. So he could have revenge sex, which is the exact same twist from There's Something About Mary. It's the exact same thing where all these guys that we're meeting, we think they're one thing, but they're completely something else because of this girl, particularly the girl, the blonde girl made them like this. Yes. And um, Chris Klein, (sighs) um, the thing about how evil they make him is Ryan Reynolds is so unlikable. No, Ryan Reynolds is not unlikable. I'm going to stop saying that. Ryan Reynolds, you are a treasure. Uh, Chris Brander, his character, is so (laughs) unlikable that they have to make, in order to make the guy that is his rival not likable by Amy Smart, they have to make him really bad. (laughs) Yeah, and the plot just kind of escalates into this of, like, we must defeat Chris Chris Klein because he's fake and he doesn't deserve her. And it's like, the fuck are you talking about? Ryan Reynolds, you're just as fake. Why do you think you're any better? Why do you think you have the merit to be with Amy Smart? Because none of you do. You're both dicks. And then, I mean, there's this... There's an there's one interesting scene in this there's one interesting scene in this movie <laughs> where uh Ryan Reynolds like Amy Smart ends up coming over to his house after he after Anna Ferris burns down her dad's like Christmas thing and who her dad also uses retard as a pejorative and so I'm like sir you can also you can you know you burn can go right to heck you can go burn and but like in in a move that makes no sense amy smart's like you know what ryan reynolds is trying i'm gonna go over and sleep with him now yeah after after she he completely like ruins her day whatever so and, they get into bed and he he gets the yips and he can't yeah. do anything about it which yeah Actually, of all the like wrong emotional things, this one, this scene made sense. Of course, yeah, he'd have the yips. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Of course, you, he'd have the yips. You finally got to this point. You actually have feelings for this person. You find that your motivation is wrong. So you can't go through with it. 
Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, okay. This is a beat that doesn't make sense with the rest of the movie, but it makes sense in in world, in so, life. <laughs> so what should happen is that he starts to understand that he has been false in the way that he... But nope, that's not what happens. He just continues down this false line of being a dick and realizes it's not going to work out for him, so he just leaves with Anna Ferris and they peace out of town. Well, she's or actually she already, already left at that She's point. gone. Whatever. <laughs> and then he ends up back in LA and Anna Ferris is there and she's like, I'm going to bake you cookies. And just gets super even crazier than before. And Ryan, at this point in time, can I rewrite the movie? Sure. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. This movie was unfair to Anna Ferris's character. Right. Because as like you've set up this character to be completely nuts, but to have absolutely no motivation behind it. Um, like we don't know why she's like crazy or whatever, but we know that she really wants, she wants to kind of be an artist or at least to be seen as an artist. Wouldn't it have been interesting if she learned a lesson in this small town that actually gave her, the tools to see herself seriously or like if she broke down at one point in time and was like, like to Ryan Reynolds, she's like, I don't have what it takes to make it in this industry after like, you know, I become unpopular or after like my body starts to change or after X, Y, or Z, something that Ryan Reynolds could relate to in some way. And he could be like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, I actually do want to sing. And then she starts playing stuff that she's like just written and is like personal and not very complicated. And she's like, and it's really good. And like, I like if Ryan Reynolds was a better character and Anna Ferris like made this change, I'd be like, fuck, why, why not have Ryan Reynolds as a character, like start his own label or something like that. And she's the headliner of it. Um, like, like you had, you had opportunity with such a crazy character to like bring her back around somehow yeah. and ch- change it. You don't even have to go the extra mile of giving her character development. Just give her, <laughs> just give her character because I was thinking about all the snow. All the snow doesn't really grow, does he? No, and no, not at all. But we get to know him. So we get mm-hmm. character. Re- you a Screenplay should either do one of two things or both character revelation or character growth. And um, forgetting Sarah Marshall, Aldous Snow gets revealed to us. We get to get into the layers of who he is the more and more the movie gets. Yeah. And (laughs) by the end of the movie, we've got a really good sense of this ridiculous guy and we buy who he is. But we don't buy who she is at the end of this movie. She just comes off even more a cartoon and is super flat. And Anna Faris does the best that she can with poorly written material. Yep. Um, <laughs> so and he realizes that he doesn't want to be around crazy Anna Ferris because he never wanted to be around her in the first place. So it's yeah. not much of a lesson for him to go back. It's it's not like he had like any kind of revelation at all. Like he in yelling at her, he's like, you, you have to just be yourself and stop trying to be crazy and stuff. And it's like, then he's like, ah, I've learned my own lesson. Because <laughs> like, you know, four weddings and a funeral. Hugh Grant picks his ex-girlfriend that he wants to marry. And then he realizes, no, I don't want her. I want Andy McDowell. And we're like, that makes sense. You were going with the safe choice, but then you realized your heart wasn't in it. So you're going to go after what your heart wants. It's but, as simple as that. But you weren't even pursuing anything. She just showed up your ha- showed up at your house. <laughs> yeah. You, you were never interested in her at all. How is this a choice? Hey. 
But then he goes back and he's like, Amy smart. I do love you. And she's like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, no, I do. And she's like, I'll kiss you. And then it ends. And the whole point of the plot of this movie, having Anna Ferris's character in there was like, Ryan Reynolds, go get her. So she'll be in our label. There were no repercussions for that. There was no consequences. I bet there were Nothing. in this script somewhere. I bet somewhere in this script, like Ryan Reynolds, like gets a voicemail of, or something like that from his boss. He's like, Hey, she decided to stay with us or something. You know, like <laughs> elf, you got James Khan losing his job because gotta go find Bud of the elf out in the streets. Cause the sun is looking for him. There's repercussions to your actions, but there's no repercussions to his actions. But the children love Samantha James. <laughs> so um, before we take a break, I just want to say why I take this movie so personally. Yes, go ahead. I was in a situation in high school. I had a best friend who was a lady friend who I was in love with, and it didn't work out, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I had to go through telling her how I felt. It didn't go well. We stayed friends. And the fact that this movie is like, you know, you never got closure because you guys never had a, had sex. It's like, do you not understand romance at all? Yeah. Like, that's not the thing we were missing. We weren't saying, I want to be boyfriend, girlfriend with you because we have everything but the sex. It's, no, we're great friends. I would like to have romantic love with you, which isn't just physical romantic love on top of friendship love is so much more and this movie's just like romantic love is just sex yeah i think that's kind of the well i don't know i'm, I'm trying to th like that's what cruel intentions kind of is is like it's it's just all about sex like there's there's a little bit of twist at the end but like i'm thinking about falling in love and i don't think that this director <laughs> understands understands romance, romance. <laughs> At all. And don't get us wrong. Sex is really important. It is. But and these it's, movies. It's good. I like it. I've had some. I'd like to have some more of it, you know. And and it is. <laughs> it's an essential uh, aspect to life. And it's essential aspect to romance, for sure. <laughs> to, to, pro <laughs> to procreation? Sure, right? <laughs> to life itself. Uh, so uh, don't let me diminish it. But no, no, sex is great, but it has almost nothing to do with the premise this movie sets up because all he wants to do is go tell her that he loves her. Right. And, you know, he's like, I'm your best friend and we've been best friends and I just have to let you know that I want to go on a date with you. That is a completely true romantic like motivation. And sure, he probably did want to have sex with her too, but like, yeah, I'm not for, saying for that, he's <laughs> for that character. It was way down the road in their relationship. Yeah, and so, yeah, I don't know. So talk to talk to me about why it feels so personally unjust to you. It kind of makes us the the whole internet kind of realize this. Not makes us. I don't do not want to be associated in this way. Uh, of it makes unrequited love look like incel stuff. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Where we, I mean, which doesn't not happen, but just because you like someone and they don't like you back doesn't make you crazy. Yeah. And it's not like she owes you sex anyways. Cause there's no. this like assumption. Oh yeah. And I mean, maybe they, they try to handle, they try to talk about this at the end of the movie with uh, the dusty character where he's like, I wrote you this song and uh, don't you think that we should probably go on a date? Yeah. Like, and 
And she's like, no, I don't know you sex. And then he's like, well, fuck you then. And it's like, that's so ham fisted that it just doesn't matter. Like the point you're trying to make doesn't matter once you're doing this. And Ryan Reynolds is kind of perpetrating the same exact, exact crime is that he's doing all these, at least in, in later in life, this post post high school days, he's just doing all these things just to have sex with her. He's not pursuing a relationship with her. And he doesn't learn this lesson. Yeah. And like this, I don't want to say that every point in movie, the movie is like, he's like, I want to go bone her. It's like his brother saying, don't you want to boink her? And, you know, uh, but he does do things where I think I hate to say this, but where the movie tries to give him some facets where he screws up when he like gives her the hand hug thing and he goes back to his car and does a Jim Carrey impression. Right. Um, And it's like, Obviously, he hates how he acted in front of her in a way that supersedes, ah, now I don't get to have sex with her. He is ashamed of himself, which means that there are emotions involved. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I don't, before we take the break, I'm just going to try and make my post-mortem assessment of like, what went wrong of like, Mm -hmm. The style it was going for, obviously, as a comedy, was trying to be a Fairly Brothers movie, but it didn't have the talent or the tact of a Fairly Brothers. Because if you look at Dumb and Dumber... Fairly Brothers, like, barely has tact sometimes. So if you push it any further... But they know when it breaks. They know how far to push something. And that's why we still somehow buy the characters of Harry and Lloyd in Dumb and Dumber or Ben Stiller. I'll give it. Like, all those movies. Kingpin... Um, even Shallow Hal, I, I still believe Jack Black in that movie. Um, mm. So the comedy doesn't really work because the director isn't talented in that regard. I'm not saying he can't direct a good movie. It's just he was in the wrong corner. Because <laughs> Falling in Love doesn't pursue this humor. No. I mean, Falling in Love doesn't really pursue any, <laughs> so any humor, humor, if we're being honest. Uh, um, the characters, but- he, he's, he's trying to have his, well, he's not trying to have any cake. <laughs> like, what kind of character development are they going for is it because it's the the trope is and this isn't trope talk but this is a different trope the trope is you have a main character who has an evil goal and we as the audience want them to come to understand their inner evilness and we want to see them turn a new leaf Mm -hmm. what do we have any other rom-coms that does this that that have have a uh yeah i mean you definitely have uh, Hugh Grant in two weeks' notice. He's just kind of naive. He's just kind of misguided. I don't think he's he super evil. He doesn't. He doesn't know, but he doesn't choose the right thing first. Right. He makes. He, he yeah. He makes a mistake. He doesn't really have a spine. Yeah. When it comes to like doing the right thing, and what he learns is if you're going to like have things and people that you love, you're going to have to kind of stand for something. And so he makes that choice in order to become the kind of person that the person he loves would love back. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's just good character development. But I think someone more pitched towards the selfish is Ben Stiller. And there's something about Mary who just increasingly is more selfish as the movie Mm. goes on. Sure. And kind of has a come up in himself and gets his heart broken. But it's but a, then doesn't. It's a tricky thing to have a character like this where you're making them so conceited and so problematic that you got to work just as hard to redeem them as a character. And this movie doesn't make any efforts to redeem our character. Yeah. And I, it's not the actor's fault because no. there has to be, at which point would you give Ryan, like, is there any part in this movie 
where you're like, actually, Ryan Reynolds, like after when he is Ryan Reynolds that we know and don't love in this movie, is there any point where you're like, you made such a nice choice right there. I'm coming back to your side. No, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think you've got mail as somewhat of a lesson in how to do this. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Because Joe Fox is really nice to Kathleen Kelly online. And then in person and in business, he's relentless and will, you know, he will not stop until her business is destroyed. And then he works really hard for like 25 minutes in the third act to redeem himself personally, but also redeem his friendship with her and salvage a romance with her and it works only because Nora Ephron has the skill set as a writer to take a character like Joe Fox make make him likable not only at the beginning but in the middle and in the end I I think um, the other trick that that movie pulls is it's really really hard not to like Tom Hanks and I'm not saying that as a joke it's just if you want to dislike a character you don't cast Tom Hanks right like you just don't it's it's I think Lady Killers tried to do this mm-hmm. and that's why that have you seen Lady Killers? I haven't seen it. Okay. It's, it's not <laughs> worth your time really. Yeah, and and I think that's why this movie didn't get thrown into a trash can is because it's Ryan Reynolds who is got the Tom Hanks factor of like you're so likable. I just yeah, like you. Like because and I haven't seen it in a long time. Not since probably high school, but Van Wilder he plays a character who is initially and throughout more likable than this, but he learns basically the same lesson where it's like, you don't have to try to be like this Van Wilder type dude. You could just be yourself and fall in love and whatever. And it's like this really shallow lesson that a lot of cool dudes learn in movies in the two thousands. And it's not necessarily worthwhile, but I guess if you're watching a comedy and you're not really there for people to learn lessons, (laughs) at least I think haven't seen it. It's probably got some really problematic stuff in it, but I feel like if I went back to watch Van Wilder or this movie, I, I never would have said this before this episode, but I'm probably going back to watch Van Wilder. Yeah. I, I'm, I would be curious to see it just because I like the Ryan Reynolds persona. Yeah. But that's it for you guys. Let's take a break and come back to trip talk. And we're back with Trope Talk. It's like sock talk, but more masturbation. More masturbation? Yeah, I mean, that little that little brother, I mean, he was crazy about Anna Ferris. There were some scenes in there that I did not want to see. Yep, 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 Nope, 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 nope. Sorry, sorry I gave you guys that mental image, but that's what's going on with the little brother. That's the entire, every time he's off screen, that's what he, um... He'll be up were you, to. Were you thinking about that a lot, this movie, Ryan? <laughs> well, um, anything to take you away from this film. Um, the trope this week we're talking about is the mythical friend zone. <laughs> so in 2005, um, actually, yeah, I think it was about 2005 because I don't remember ever talking about the quote unquote friend zone in high school i will tell you who actually introduced it it was before this movie it was joey tribbiani oh season one of friends he warns season one yep he warns ross uh be careful you better ask her out soon or soon you'll be in the friend zone the friend zone and that's when power shows up and he gets interrupted by power because you waited too long to make your move and now you're in the friend zone (laughs) 
no, no, no. I'm not in the zone. Oh, Ross, you're mayor of the zone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, well, um, I I didn't use it as part of my nomenclature until probably probably either my senior year in high school or freshman year of college, probably 2005, yeah. 2006. Yeah. Not that it wasn't in culture, but it hadn't at least caught up to me. Yeah. Now, for the next like two to three years, I feel like everybody used the term friend zoned. You got you talk about the friend zone and then like a um adjacent term is the DTR, the define the relationship. Yeah, DTR. Uh-huh. You're either going to if you're in the friend zone, you need to have the DTR to get out of the friend zone <laughs> or to or establish firmly establish that you so, are indeed stuck in the friend zone. So the friend zone, I would like to posit does not exist. Oh, I would like to believe you. <laughs> okay. So, uh, this is, I mean, this is more of a topic that has come up probably, uh, uh closer to 2010 to now where I would call it a friend f- Valley and it's just hard to climb out of. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Um, but the so the friend zone, as defined by this m- movie or by Joey Tribbiani, is basically you are either going to start dating someone or you're going to become their friend, at which point in time it is nigh impossible to become anything other than their friend. Right. Right? So you can't necessarily be friends first and then date. And this is stuff that, like, you know was talked about in a more interesting way in like speaking of Nora, Nora Ephron when Harry met Sally. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was the whole point of that movie. Right. Um, so, but the friend zone is kind of predicated on the idea that you and your relationship with someone else is not a fluid thing. And it's something that is, I mean, it's not, only this, but a lot of the times the thing is like, oh, that person put me in the friend zone, thus they are doing something wrong. Right, right. Which right? I think this societal understanding of it is textbook misogyny. Yes, very much so. That it's her fault that I'm in the friend zone. And I feel like it was not always, because I've definitely heard it used the other way as, as terms end up becoming where it's like, ah, this, you know, if we're talking heteronormative relationships, it was, it generally started off with like a guy being like, yeah, she friend zoned me. So I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. I guess like, uh, I just can't be friends with her, you know, cause I like her. So, uh, or maybe, maybe, you know, ah, I'm in the friend zone, but I'm working my way out of it. If you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, and so it's not that like the, being somebody's friend and liking them at the same time doesn't exist. Obviously that exists. That was most of our high school and college, Yeah, but it exists because of an insecurity in one party to a not want to change your relationship with the person, which I think is the more noble version of being afraid of like coming out and telling your feelings to somebody or on the other side of things, you are just afraid of rejection. Yep. Right. Yep. You're, you're spot on my friend. You are talking about my high school self. (laughs) That, that version inside me is just like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you say that virgin inside of you or the version? Hey, Hey. so, um, also hurtful. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think that it, 
like we can talk about the friend zone these days and it's not as icky as it used to be because I feel like it was just co-opted by dudes like Ryan Reynolds character in this movie or like dusty in this movie where it's like, Oh yeah, we were friend zoned, but now they owe us because we were such good friends to them for such a long time. And they basically teased us by being close with us. Right. And it it begs a question of what they, what these women, how they actually do see the relationship, not in the sense of how dare they, but just kind of like, what did they, where did they see the friendship leading to? And did it get in the way of their other relationships, like romantic relationships? Because if you're so close with this person, is there space for another person? Is there space for a romantic partner in there as well? Ryan and I have actually had arguments about this before because I think that there is, I, I, I personally think it depends on who you are. Like there's, there's a million different people with a million different uh, amounts and ways to love others in their hearts. And the, the possibility of having a really, really close friendship with someone who is of the, like, let's say you are also attracted to whatever box that person is in gender wise yeah, or sex wise. Um, then like what, like you were, you were begging the question, like, can, can, what is her intention in being that close with someone? Right. But you can also like, I've had friends that I was really extremely close to that were of the opposite sex of me, which I am attracted to. Mm -hmm. And it didn't end up ever going anywhere like sexual or romantic. And we were okay with that because neither of us wanted that. Right. And I, I feel like that's, that's okay to have happen. It's just rarer. Maybe I, I, I think it's hard to sustain if you're in a, if you're in a long-term relationship, whether you're married or whatever, to add on to that, another person that you're investing a lot of time into and a lot investing a lot of your emotional energy into, I just don't see it possible with more than one person. If that makes sense. Like I have people in my life that I have deep friendships with, but I only invest in my relationship with Sarah. And then after Sarah comes you and you're a handful. (sighs) Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm like, yeah, you are also married Right. And in a long term relationship. But I'm not saying I'm not saying like it's this rule only applies to married people. I think you, you don't have to be married to have this this understanding of I've picked a person that I'm investing in and um yeah, I, I just don't know how you could juggle multiple people unless it's a more open understanding of that relationship. Sure, sure. Like like a polyamorous yeah. relationship or but I mean I also like I also just know I know people that that do do this where they have like a long term committed relationship and they have like best friends that they spend almost as much time with. And it they must just be way more extroverted than us. Right. (laughs) Or or more intensely involved introvertedly, because, you know, you can be an introvert with multiple ways to invest your time just very, um, very close and not spread out. Yeah. But I'd say the majority of the majority of us. I don't think that's the case. I think the majority of us, and it's, it's, I think it's a bigger problem for people in high school and college and being much younger where your relationships aren't as committed. Whereas we've, you know, you and I have really made committed commitments to our committed times. 
if that makes sense. <laughs> you mean <laughs> but, to our people? <laughs> to our people. That I've got Sarah, you've got Robin. It's just kind of like, if anyone else enters our life, we're like, hey, you're cool. I'll hang out with you. But I'm pretty busy with my family. <laughs> like, Well, yeah, sure. But like, like let's, let's say you didn't have a kid. Right. I don't want to take you. You're you're like the you're you're the last person I would think that would make a new best friend and devote a lot of time to that person. <laughs> um, you're not a great test case, but like, like I mean, Robin has other people that she's extremely close with, and she doesn't. She's kind of an introvert anyway. But I I think if she was a little bit more extroverted and spent more time with those friends, that would be something that. I could be okay with because I also like my alone time as much as I like my time with Robin. Sure. My wife is allowed and, to have friends too. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. No, no, I know. To, it's just, it just can't be as intense as right. their friendship. Yeah. And like an example of when I was in this situation in high school, I think you're, you're one of two people that you have and for your high school romantic experiences, you either have a couple of people that you really wanted to date and never could, or you were able to date and you did. And I was one of the people who wanted to date just a handful of people and never got the courage to ask anyone out, got stuck in the friend zone with one of them. And then I was so distracted by the friend zone that I was in. And that was sapping up all my emotional energy and all my romantic feelings were sapped by this one relationship that I never got to think about asking anyone else out. And it's one of those things. Or her. <laughs> yeah. Until you did. And it was one of those things how, where. Can I ask how long that lasted? Years. Ugh. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it took up so much of my life. And I just, I regret not being more intent about m- how I spent my time or my emotional energy. And mm, I wish mm-hmm. someone should have, <laughs> of course, I think we all feel about this whenever we do something stupid. It's like, why didn't anyone warn me what I was doing? Why didn't, because I, when you're 16, <laughs> you don't realize what you're doing because that's for the point of being a teenager is you're making these mistakes and, you know, learning from them. And I realized thinking about other girls, I'm like, I could have asked her out, but just was to- like a different girl, not the one I was in the friend zone sure. with, but it's just like, I was so distracted that I never got to it. So I, I was, it was pretty heartbreaking overall. It was a wonderful friendship to have, but it just, yeah, it just destroys your romantic life. Absolutely. And this movie doesn't get at that. I, I think, I mean, I think um, what, like you can be, you can be close friends with someone and it doesn't necessarily destroy your romantic life. It's just that you're eventually going to have to split off some of that time in order to go pursue this other thing. Right. And I, but, I couldn't do that. But the thing that, the, the thing that destroyed you was your unrequited love. Yeah. I, well, I, I just think being in the friend zone full tilt means all of your attention and affection is towards one person who won't return it. And so it's a totally lopsided relationship. Now is now, I guess the question is, cause if we're thinking about this morally or we're thinking about putting it in a movie ever, ever again, um, if you are the person who is longing right. um, of the two and you don't say anything about it for two years at that point in time, it's like, can do we call it lying? Yeah, because you're just or at, sitting at least on your it's a feelings. Lack of, it's a lack of vulnerability, I guess. Because at least Sarah knew how I felt pretty early on. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> and she rejected me several times until she didn't. So it, it, and you know, so I think yes, 
it is it is maybe not deception because that other person has to know. No, that's not necessarily true. I really like, think I think I think we all sense it at the, at a certain point. If it's years of being best friends, she in this in the context of this movie at least, she's got to understand a little bit what's going on at the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think we're all also young and dumb sometimes in high school, and I'm not going to say the last part of that. Um, <laughs> the because I like like your particular um, predicament you're in, like she didn't know, right? Or did she know? I think she suspected. Okay, I think and then she there knew. Is a, <laughs> yeah, right. I think that there is a vast difference, especially when you're friends with someone between knowing and suspecting. Yeah. Because I think, let's say, let's say you, let's say both parties like each other, but they suspect that the other person doesn't Mm -hmm. because you were doing a lot of suspecting yourself as well. Yeah. And never revealing that because you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't think she likes me. You ended up being right, but have you like... I, I've definitely been in the situation where I thought someone didn't like me for the longest time. And then I finally told them and they're like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? I've liked you for such a long time. And so I feel like the onus can be on both sides. Yeah. I think it's, I think at that point it's a personal, personal thing. Cause I think for me is that I'm actually highly intuitive. I just don't want to listen to myself. Um, or at least I, <laughs> because, because, you get st- that's great. No, no, that's that's great. Because <laughs> you get stuck, and you're like, I really like her. I want to tell her how I feel, but I'm afraid she'll reject me, and then it'll all be over. But it's like you're 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 staying in this very uncomfortable spot where it's like you're not you're not embracing reality. Where it's like you're you're worried that she'll reject you because you know she will. You know she'll reject well, you. You don't know it, but you highly suspect it. I didn't have that worry when it came to telling Sarah how I felt. And even when I'm just I'm just saying we we like we're not soothsayers. No, no, we don't I know. know. Yeah. But I'm saying for me personally, I should have listened to my gut more. And I would have saved myself a lot of trouble and pain if I just listened to my gut and had the maturity move on. But I was 16, so I didn't have the maturity. I mean, so say we all. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. I, I'm glad that I learned it's just kind of like I wished I could have seen myself on screen and yet I saw the the evil twin brother version of myself on screen where it's like right. taking my most evil aspects I could possibly be the incel person that it could have been and shown that it's like show show me the triumph that I came over and with college of learning that lesson and then learning to tell Sarah how I felt and not being afraid of rejection and just putting myself out there and then it eventually working out. Why can't I see that triumph? Would this movie been a little bit more interesting if Ryan Reynolds was actually dating, like throw Anna Faris's character away for a second. And what if he was actually dating somebody legitimately and had to go back to his hometown and then ran into her? That's what Richard Curtis would have done. You know, yeah. that's what a yeah. that's what Nora Ephron would have done. That's what Nancy Myers would have done. Th- these people what, who understand. Let's let's talk about what's interesting about that, though, comparatively. Oh, th- this this other rewritten movie. Yeah, what I mean, what's what's oh, more I, interesting about that kind of maturity versus what we got here? That that scenario ran through my head when I first started dating Sarah because I was thinking, what if 
what if I go back to my hometown and hang out with the the girl I was in the friend zone with again, but I'll be dating Sarah. And what if, what if that prompts her to tell her that she did love me and that I was wrong and that she'd actually had feelings for me. That would have fucked me up. <laughs> that would have totally yeah. thrown me completely out of balance. And that would have been such a fascinating thing to see Ryan Reynolds being like questioning reality. I think, I think what would have been interesting is if we saw him then in not, not being a, like the butthead we see him as at the beginning of this, when he becomes Ryan Reynolds later on, I, I think if you have him as confident, clever, grounded, his feet are like firmly under him. But then when he does go back and he becomes unbalanced, we see a bunch of cracks that he didn't know existed yeah. in his new life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this movie's, you know, it's like, well, it's saying, Oh, he's kind of a dick and the movie kind of knows it. But the reason why she falls for him after the fact after high school is because he lost a lot of weight. Right. Yeah. It's uh, like, so I don't know too much about the term fat phobic, but there's definitely fat shaming going on in this, movie. which again, I'm taking this movie personally because I was overweight in high school. I was like really overweight in high school and I knew it. And I knew I didn't know this. I thought, that the reason why it wasn't working out with the girl or any other girls is because of my body and they didn't find me attractive. And that is what fueled me in my freshman year to go out, work really hard and lost 60 pounds. And then I lost all that weight and then I started seeing these people. And then you became a butthead. (laughs) I started seeing all these people again and I was like, eh, 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 what do you think? Like, you can love me Mm -hmm. now, I have the body. And nothing happened because that wasn't the problem. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing: I I will say legitimately, like you're, you're like that. That's probably um, like true across the board for you. But also, like this movie just doesn't han- handle body imaging in a way where it's like you could say, like, because her character maybe she. Like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with her not wanting to date him because she doesn't find him attractive at the beginning. Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that, per se. What's wrong is all of the language used around it. Yeah. And here's another rewrite of the movie. Keep him fat and make it so when she sees him again, it's his aspect. It's how he carries himself and it has nothing to do with his actual mm. body shape. It's how he sees himself and it's confidence. If, if like, let's say somebody you're going to recast this movie, which is a shame because Ryan Reynolds is like, let's say you can't get Ryan Reynolds to put on all the weight. Right. <laughs> um, who, who would you have play this role? I mean, the holiday did this Jack Black. Like he's attractive, but if he played it, if he plays a character that isn't confident in himself, then we're not going to believe that he's attractive. Right. Okay. So you want to have Jack Black from his lowest point in School of Rock at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then you want Jack Black from The Holiday after that 10 years has passed. Nothing has changed about him physically. It's about what he believes about himself. And that's what we want to see on screen is that it's not about the physicality it's about who you are i think that's a better rewrite that's pretty good god guys let us write movies <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> well, it be good um, you guys wouldn't that movie have worked 
Speaking of writing things, I think we have something new up on the blog on our Patreon, don't we? Woo! <laughs> yes, we do. We have a listicle, our top five rom-coms from the aughts. Yeah. The since... worst decade in rom-coms. <laughs> but I think there's going to be better stuff on that list than this movie. And so, yes. if you're so looking, if you had a terrible time here, watch these. Yeah. Uh, come on over to patreon.com slash romcom gents, where you can also listen to this month's bonus episode, which is Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. Speaking of Ross and Joey <laughs> and all of our good friends over at Friends. And uh, you can also vote for next month's patron poll. But I uh, think we, oh, have to... we have to pick our winner. I don't want you to look it up. I want to tell you. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. Kelly, the winner of this month's poll, being the nominees I will list now, which are A Christmas Prince, Holiday, The Best Man Holiday, and The Preacher's Wife, the winner is The Preacher's Wife! It won! It won! Yeah, I already knew that. I I looked that up earlier today. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. winning so earlier, and I wanted to surprise you and give uh, you this like Christmas present. Hold on, hold on, take two, do it again. Just say the last, the last line. I'll take it from there. The preacher's wife. What? Yes. What? Yes. Oh yes. my! Wow! A thousand times. Yes. So you guys listened. <laughs> we, we only did that once. We never recorded it twice. <laughs> So, yes, we're doing The Preacher's Wife because you people, you patrons, you picked it. Thank you. So if you want to be a patron and you want to help us pick next month's movie, um, uh, do we have a theme for next month? Not yet, but no? you'll go there and you'll see it. You'll go there and you'll <laughs> see it. We'll have a list of four movies and whatever you guys vote for, we will do as the last movie every month. Uh, so this month it's going to be Preacher's Wife uh, starring Dan Zell. Denzel. And then, uh, yeah, that's basically it over there. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Do we have any letters this week? Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. Uh, I don't think we have any letters. Moving right along, how about any rom-com Oscars? (laughs) Oh, to say this has the best uh, oh wait wait, can I go first this time yeah go Um, best brotherly dynamic god damn it yeah ha 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 yep yep I'll give you that I'll give you that the brothers they are great I had to go first because I didn't have another one and I knew you were probably pick that one so now the onus is on you okay but mine is best use of the mother trope Mm. because what is that julie well (laughs) in most movies you have the mom play the mom role which is like the voice of reason or the voice of like naivete who doesn't quite get it who doesn't quite understand what our main characters are going through because they're mom sure and it's like oh mom you don't you just don't understand mom um and this uses that to great effect because she <laughs> several times is getting on the landline. And man, yeah, Gen Z is good. not going to get this joke no. where it's like when your mom is trying to make a call and you're like, mom, I'm on the phone. 
And she does it with Julie Haggerty has perfect comedic timing with it. And she does it multiple times. And there's a part where she goes to the movies as the like fifth or sixth wheel. And it's like, that was actually clever writing. I wouldn't expect you guys to bring her into the scene where during, during the movie, she reaches over like as, as Chris Klein reaches over and holds Amy Smart's hands, Julie Haggerty reaches over and grabs Ryan Reynolds hands and he is just like not having it. And it is a perfect moment. That's great comedy. Yeah. And maybe this movie would have worked if it was our character still in high school, because I can't imagine myself going through that in my late twenties. I wouldn't have been so mortified. I'd just be like, mom, it's okay. But if it was in high school, and my mom was on a like weird double date thing in high school. That would have been a hundred times as weird. Oh, so weird because they, she would have like most moms are like, Hey, I'll drop you guys off. But then she's like, you know what? I've wanted to see this movie. It's, <laughs> it's my time. Yeah. I get to watch this. We should put that into a movie sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell okay. me Kelly, who the fuck would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friend the truth of it is i loved you from the first second i met you but mostly i hate the way i don't hate you not even close not even a little bit not even at all you have bewitched me body and soul and i love and love and love you i know i mean for me it's easy uh it's amy smart because She's the only normal person in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I I liked his friends as well. They seem nice, but like she is the only normal, nice person. She makes some bonkers choices sometimes in this film, but I'm like, whatever. You're still a a nice person and a cool hang and you're a bartender. Get that. You're, you're great. Yep. And she's, she's foxy. So, yep. Um, mine is Anna Ferris cause you'd never be bored. That's true. Just don't let her have a taser gun, but otherwise... (laughs) Just... (laughs) I feel like if you're dating Anna Faris in this movie, you have to... You have to have, like, a clone of yourself somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere safe. Yeah, somewhere (laughs) safe. So that, like, and as soon as you die, your memories transfer to this clone, because otherwise you're not surviving the first year. Yep. So, um... That's the movie... Yeah. That's the romance. Next week is The Preacher's Wife. The week after that, we're doing a special episode. We're doing the um, the second episode in our round of... Second annual. Second annual. Although I want to do more than one a year. We we, we got distracted this year. Uh, we're doing the Not Quite a Rom-Com film. And uh, this the second choice is... It's not choice number two. It's the second, it's the second in line is... Waking Ned Divine, a lovely, lovely film from Ireland and just has a wonderful. <laughs> oh, that was my Jules voice. Yeah, that I'm was sorry. My, that was Icelandic. That was my Bjork I'm sorry. Voice. Sorry. Um, wh- hold on a second. We we made it pitch perfect last year when we called it That's What You Do. That, that well, thing you do Year's Eve. It was that thing you do Year's Eve because you have to watch that movie on New Year's Eve because of the rhyme. <laughs> Well, not only that, but it came out on New Year's Eve. This one is not going to come out on New Year's Eve, but it's going to come out right afterwards. Um, is there anything about January, like, you know, resolutions or something that we can pun with? Like, um... New Year's Day, King Ned Divine? 
New Year's Day. No, wake. No, it's not that. Wake. No, it's definitely not that. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think you're. I don't think we need the pun to no, be able hold to on, do hold it. Hold on, let's just think about it for a second. Um, shaking red vines. So sure, that's what it is. It's sh- shaking red. Shaking vines. red vines because you're on a diet now because you've been living solely off of red <laughs> vines since um, you went to the movies on Christmas. Sure, so you're shaking red vines. So come watch Waking Ned Divine for our shaking red vines, Kelly. I love you so much that I would risk the the mortification of getting out of the friend zone with you. Ah, uh, I love you so much that I started this podcast, which led us to having to watch this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to rom-coms. <laughs>